Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Previously on About Them Cowboys. You know, as far as, I think, disrupting the quarterback, he's, he's you know, escaped several times to do that. Uh, obviously, the frustration for him as well is just, you know, look, when he misses them, nobody, whoops, excuse me. Now I got something in my eye. Um, just had some Tabasco on my finger and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh, never good. It's terrible. Jeez. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hang on, guys. We'll be right back. Give me one second. All right, we're back. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Welcome back, Cowboys fans. About them Cowboys podcast, the Athletic Podcast Network. Kent Garrison here, back producing with you. It's been about a week or so since we've uh, been with you, but it's time to wrap up OTAs. What did Father John Mishota see while he was at the star? We're going to get that info. Dak Prescott has a new contract. No, not a new contract with the Cowboys. We're going to talk about that as well. And uh, guys, open locker room might be a thing this year again, thankfully. So we decided to pull back the curtain on some audio from back in the day of us three and our experiences with open locker room. So it's going to be a fun time here. The About Them Cowboys take a break from the Mavs chaos and, uh, you know, Come on in to the, the world of the Cowboys, where there's absolutely no chaos, right? And um, to do so, I will welcome in the Bash Brothers of Talking Dallas Cowboys. It's Kevin K.T. Turner from The Eagle and from The Athletic, Father John Mishota. Welcome, boys. Welcome, K.T. And uh, good to have you both. Time to talk OTAs. Happy to be here. Let's talk OTAs before we get to the juicy stuff, right? Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> Dak says that, that uh, Zeke is in the best shape of his life. Uh, hey, that that's great, right? <laughs> well, you can't be any in any worse shape than. Uh, oh yes, guys. you could. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Wait, what was the running back? What was? The, I mean, we can just use somebody that KT is going to know very well. Uh, Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy. Yeah, Eddie <laughs> yeah. Lacy. Eddie, La- remember Eddie Lacy destroyed the Cowboys in what was it, two thousand fifteen? Yeah. Something? Hey, look, I. I, I I flew commercial last week, and you, you can absolutely be in worse shape than Zeke. Uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of people who aren't doing well. Um, the pandemic's been tough on everyone, right? Yeah. Those comments I always take with a grain of salt. I, and, and quite frankly, I don't totally care. Although, John Machado, you're the one who was credited for wronging Tony Romo that one year when he took a photo. <laughs> and it was a about poor that. angle. The fat <laughs> Romo shot. That was you, John. <laughs> Let me let me say this real quick. Okay, after after the Mavs lost and Luca didn't want to didn't exchange jerseys immediately with Paul George, there was this underlying story of people being like, maybe he didn't want to take his jersey off because you know it's not like Luca's in like the absolute best of shape. He might have like a dad bod and might not want to show it off. So, but uh, I, and it made me think of Romo because it was like, well, let's not act like Romo was like in the best of shape of the world at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's not like he was. Let me think of a quarterback who 
okay, like a Justin Fields or something like that, where you're like, well, there's, we already know Justin yeah. Fields. If you take a, a picture from a weird angle, people would be like, well, yeah, we already know Justin Fields. We just saw him at the combine. He's in good. But Romo was getting in a level where it was like, I mean, he was not like out of shape or anything like that, but he, he reminded me of like an, a major league baseball pitcher that's towards the back end of their career. They're not exactly, you know, killing it in, in, on the weights like you are early in your career. And then so you get into some bad, bad angle on a picture and a jersey is, just was, happens to be a certain way. There was a photo of Zeke that, that came out of the offseason like on a, a local like a uh, boutique yeah. uh, that he does. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. KT. And it was just him like modeling one of their shirts and he did. He looked big. And I sent yeah. it to my buddies and was like, man, Zeke, <laughs> Zeke's put on some, some COVID-19 uh, weight, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but that's good. Maybe, it, maybe it's, you know, muscle weight. And well, and, and let me say this, I, I do get the sense that he's very motivated. You know, Zeke was a guy that he talked to us all the time last year on the zoom calls to the point where we elected him as like the good guy award, which every year goes to like whatever players like the most media friendly that year it's voted on by all the reporters that cover the team. And then throughout OTAs and minicamp, he didn't talk to us once on any of the calls. Like you can tell, like he knows what's being said and and people are like, you know, the criticism and things like that. And I think that I'm not saying that I'm not saying that like he's bothered by it. And so he does, Oh, I'm not going to talk to you guys or whatever like that. I think he's using it as motivation. Like I I think you're going to see a a very motivated Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's so much as like people don't like Zeke anymore. I think it's just, we don't rely on Zeke as much yeah. as we did in 2016 and 17. Well, it's like the, and, and, the and, offense and if, is not built around Zeke in the running game anymore. You know, well, if, if Zeke is good and, 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 you know, at a pro bowl level again, then they're going to be that much better. But I feel confident about this offense. If, if Zeke's at the top of his game or not, but fans aren't stupid. Everything you just said works fine. If he's a third round pick and makes middle of the pack <laughs> money, yeah. when you get, when you're a top five pick at running back, it's already know, an outlier. Exactly. That's, what I'm just, that's, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say. Know that fans are, fans are smart. They, they know how much this guy's getting paid. They know he's one of the top paid running backs. They know he was drafted as a top five pick. They seen him in his first two years, uh, or two of his first three years, get, get the rushing title. You know, like they, the, the bar is higher with him than it is if they're like, let's say, let's say they went the route of, they took Jalen Ramsey as as their first round pick, and then Tony Pollard is their starting running back. If Tony Pollard goes for thousand yards, twelve hundred yards, people are like, "This is gravy, man! This is great!" You know, we didn't really expect this, but let, hey, that's awesome. Darren McFadden, when they brought him in, somebody does something like that. But when you sit there and you spend like you did on Ezekiel Elliott, the bar is is pretty high there, and fans know that. For years, we've seen him be the fastball. You know, you think of twenty sixteen and. Uh, you know, when they were leaning heavily, more heavily on the running game. I'm excited about Zeke being the change-up pitch, and maybe this feels like something we've said the last couple of years, but being the change-up pitch to that offense with Gallup Cooper and C.D. Lamb. Um, and also, the, I, I, the number one thing for me is Zeke can't turn the ball over. Like, Zeke's going to get his yards based off of teams preparing for the Cowboys' passing attack. Um, hopefully, it's from playing from ahead. And things like that, not from p- trying to play behind because they had turnovers in the first half of games and things like that. And I think that's where Zeke will end up still getting his numbers and things like that. So I still think Zeke will still be looked at as, you know, a top five ten running back in the league um, when it comes to, you know, how much statistics he's, he's racking up and things like that. As long as his fumble issue is gone, that has to stop. Like, number one, dude, come in overweight, you'll probably still get your yards. You can't fumble. Like, I don't even care about, like, what you look like. Just don't fumble, dude. We can't have that. 
Um, now, I, I'm just going to go to the defensive side of the ball for the most part um, because I think that's what everyone's kind of concerned about. Obviously, there's the, the Dak thing. We're going to talk about Dak in a second. Uh, good to see Randy Gregory get a chance to talk to everyone. Um, a guy who I think, honestly, maybe overlooked even. I, I He's a guy I've always believed when he's on the field, he plays well. The problem, obviously, as we know, not on the field very much. But uh, what would you say uh, your thoughts are on getting to talk to Randy Gregory uh, last week? Yeah, he certainly seems like mentally he's in as good of a spot as he's been the entire time he's been a Dallas Cowboy, going back to when he was taken in the second round in 2015. Uh, it just seems like he's put a lot of issues he's dealt with in the past and that he's made some changes that have really helped him, uh, you know, calm down the off the field uh, clutter in his life and and. You know, he was saying basically lives a really simple life right now. And uh, as you've probably heard many times in sports, uh, I know LeBron James says this a lot, it, especially when you have as much on your plate as LeBron does. You, you got to keep the main thing. The main thing, the reason you're here is, you know, at the end of the day, for a guy like LeBron James, basketball is what got you here. So you got to make sure that you take care of that part of it. For Brandy Gregory, you know, the football part of it is obviously what he has to take care of. He seems to be in, in good shape. Uh, he seems to be eager to get even more opportunity. Now with Alden Smith gone, Randy Gregory is going to get a ton of time rushing from that right edge. Uh, I would say, you know, of guys that really weren't on the radar last year that I think could have big years on defense, I would say Randy Gregory, uh, as long as everything is, is he gets to play and, and everything's good off the field. And then Leighton Vandresh is another guy who I thought he looked really good in OTAs and minicamp. And obviously the injuries are the big thing. Can he stay healthy? But if he stays healthy, I think Leighton Vanderesh seems like another guy that's highly motivated. You know, I'm not picking up that fifth year option, getting a oh, chance yeah. to talk to him. You know, he seems very, very motivated to to have the type of year he had his rookie year where he was a Pro Bowl player. So, you know, if I was going to say just going off of, you know, our conference calls, what we got to see at OTAs and minicamp, Randy Gregory and Leighton Vanderesh would be two guys I'd say I could see them having some pretty big years as long as they both stay healthy and uh, the main thing stays the main thing. Can I ask you a couple of formation like related questions? Yeah. Like, can we throw out the idea of a four three of a three four with this team? Like, were you seeing mixed fronts? Yeah, up front. Yeah, no. This is this is definitely. I thought it was going to be more back to the Rod Marinelli style. No, this is this is uh, building more on like what Mike Nolan did um, with a guy that the narrative's already out there. You know, is doing a better job teaching it, and Dan Quinn. While Dan Quinn might be a better teacher, and he's more, he's certainly more hands on. He also was having more time this offseason, not in a pandemic year like Mike Nolan had. But um, yeah, you like Demarcus Lawrence was doing most of his work off to the side rehab type stuff to get make sure he's 100 percent when camp starts. But there were some times when, you know, in one field, uh, the team was doing team drills and, and, and going live and, and, and things like that as much as you can do without pads on. Uh, there were times where Randy Gregory. um Demarcus Lawrence, a few other guys were over there, the edge rushers working on dropping back, like lining up as edge rushers, stand up edge rushers, dropping back into coverage. And so obviously if you're dropping them guys back in certain situations, that's because you're mixing stuff up. You're bringing blitzers, whether it be, could be Jordan Lewis on a corner blitz. It could be KZ on a safety blitz. It could be just bringing it, you know, you drop them back because you're bringing Parsons and another linebacker. So it, it certainly looks like it's showing the signs of being more exotic than a Rod Marinelli scheme. 
and more like what Mike Nolan was trying to implement and being more multiple, which, I mean, it should make sense. Mike McCarthy has no ties with Rod Marinelli. Mike McCarthy's ties, this is his own deal, and he's the one that wants to make them more multiple. He has a vision for what he wants the defense to be, and clearly that's why he brought in Mike Nolan because he thought it was going to, you know, fill that, and the players didn't buy into the way Mike Nolan was selling it, and so he was out of a job. Now, Dan Quinn looks like he's stepping in, and he's going to have more time to do it, but with all of that said, I don't think anybody should just think that, oh, Dan Quinn's here. Uh, this is going to work perfectly. Everybody's going to buy in. Everything's going to click. Week one, they're going to be rolling. This is a top 10 defense. Like, if that happens, like, hey, more power to you. But that should not be expectations. Does that give a little more evidence? Remember the whole drama about the whole putting a hand in the ground versus standing up that Demarcus Lawrence and Alvin Smith were kind of dealing with? Like, that's kind of out of the water too, right? Like, uh, like wasn't Randy Gregory, like, wasn't he rushing standing up some as well? Yeah, no, they were doing that. And, and Alden Smith did it throughout the year. It was, it didn't really work for Lawrence early on. So, you know, they were kind of in scramble mode because yeah. the defense was incredibly bad. It wasn't like it was just like, hey, we're, we're a little disappointing right now on that side of the ball, you know, but we'll get it. It was okay. First few games. This is a disaster. All right, let's uh, go to, hey, whatever you think you do best, let's go to that because this isn't working, you know? And so, yeah, it remains to be seen. That's a question mark that we need to see is, you know, will Demarcus Lawrence have that success? Because much like Ezekiel Elliott, we were just talking about, people know what Demarcus Lawrence is getting paid. I mean, he he needs to be their best defender and he's aware of that. So however that comes about, whether it's standing up, hand in the dirt, whatever, like he has to produce. I mean, that's, that's there's just... No way around it. That has to happen. At corner, you know, Kelvin jo- Joseph, the second round pick, he was obviously sick, so, uh, you know, couldn't be there. Uh, do you think we're kind of working towards Diggs, Brown, and Jordan Lewis as your top three corners when the season starts? I, I do. I do. I think that if Kelvin Joseph can have a Trayvon Diggs type training camp where it was like, Whoa. Okay. I mean, he makes a mistake here or there. I mean, this is a tough position to transition from college to pro, but man, he gives us a lot of upside on taking the ball away and other things. We like his, if if he does all these things and, and then looks good in the preseason stuff, I can see him winning that starting job. But if he doesn't play that well, he's a little shaky, gives him stuff. Coaches are going to go with the guys that they can trust. And they, you know, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, those are guys that I understand most Cowboys fans will say like, yeah, yeah, we've we've got a pretty good sample size in those guys. We know what they can do. It's it's not going to be these aren't going to be five, six interception type season guys. No, but it could go back to being at least solid there where you don't have to worry about anybody getting burned deep, things like that, keeping stuff in front of you. And then it gives Kelvin Joseph a chance to come along. And then obviously the other guy is Nation Wright gives him a chance to come along a little bit because let's be honest, jumping from college to pro at corner is not an easy job. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot that transition. I mean, it wasn't a smooth transition unless you're Jalen Ramsey or Patrick Peterson. It's not a smooth transition. You know, it just rarely happens like that. And, and the ability to cover too also gives your defensive coordinator a little more flexibility on what he can do to make things creative in terms of blitz packages and, and things like that too. So like just being able to like, uh, make an excuse for Mike Nolan uh, and I'm also not putting blame on Mike Nolan, but let's not act like he had a full range of options because there were certain things that he couldn't do that would leave the covered bear at times last week just because coverage is going to be a problem. So there's a lot there's a lot there. I mean, it's all positive signs. You just want to take the step forward like with the defense and hopefully your offense is good enough and that's how you make the playoffs and go win a division and then, you know, start talking bigger than that as 
by the offense being awesome and healthy, and by the defense just being better. And we all yeah, know or that just and, and and how they get better, even with the same exact personnel, with you know sprinkling in some new guys that we mentioned, like Parsons, Nashawn Wright, um, you know, and, and a couple of the defensive linemen. That you also have the fact of can you just have a team that is bought in? Like, can you have yeah. a defense that looks like hey? Whatever we're calling, whatever they they want to run, I'm bought in. I'm going 100%. If I make a mistake, next play, let's move on. Whereas last year, we saw a lot of like, oh, this is a disaster. Like, is this guy even in the right spot? And then because he's not in the right spot, this guy doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. And it's just kind of a disaster all over the place. Now, I'm not saying it was like that for 16 games, but it was like that far too much for a professional football team. Nah, absolutely. Um, Is there anything else you want to hit before we move on to Dak? No, I was just going to say, I, no, I was just going to mention, I, I wrote this week about like the five players I thought stood out the most throughout mm-hmm. OTAs and minicamp. And so two of them, I had already mentioned Leighton Van Der Esch, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Dak Prescott was certainly on there just because I thought he even exceeded expectations of what I was expecting considering seeing the ankle injury he had. Um, and then the other guys were, uh, and the Micah Parsons, there were, he made multiple plays uh, that, the, the two things I'll say, number one on my list was, was CeeDee Lamb. And I'll say the same thing about CeeDee Lamb as I'll say about Micah Parsons in that you don't really even have to know that much about football. You didn't have to follow the draft. If you just went to the, every one of those practices and watched them, there's just certain things about those guys that you're like, yeah, this guy's a ball player. Like, they, like he's got something that's just a little bit different. Like it comes natural to him. And CeeDee Lamb certainly, like I think CeeDee Lamb has only scratched the surface. Like it's funny because he's a slot receiver for the Cowboys because of what they have in Gallup and Amari Cooper. But like, CeeDee Lamb can absolutely go down the field, be a physical receiver, and high point the football in traffic. I mean, he he can do – there's really not a weakness in his game. I And because you didn't really get that full season with not even Dak Prescott, a full season. If you told me he was going to get a full season with Andy Dalton, I'd be like, I think you'd seen even better production from him. But it's like it was always a new quarterback. There was like hard to get like a really great rhythm. And he almost still had 1,000 yards. If you tell me that he has 16 games with Dak Prescott, I think CeeDee Lamb's a Pro Bowl player. And it's been quiet, but obviously it's, sometimes it isn't off, in the offseason because there's not a lot going on. But that's CeeDee Lamb is the player. Um, I just saw a clip. In fact, I think you, you you did a little appearance on Fox 4 the other night with Mike Ducey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there was a couple, you know, just CeeDee Lamb highlights or B-roll footage, to be honest. And I started just kind of thinking, like, oh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just kind of forget because it's been a long time and it's been a weird year, but – yeah, they have freaking C.D. Lamb on this team, and I think that's the name. After about a week of training camp, that the buzz and the and the C.D. Lamb stock will be really, really, really high again. Once people just start seeing the little clips that you always do a great job of tweeting out, you know, but like when you're allowed to cover practice and things like that, and all that stuff. Like, I it's just it's just good. And it reminds you what this offense can be with a healthy Dak and all and those types of things. Speaking of Dak, Dak in the news, Dak getting more money. Um, as he moves to the Jordan brand, um, which I, I always think the guys that go to the Jordan brand, Lucas being one of those guys too, I always think that's really cool because that means, you know, Michael Jordan has a say in that stuff. Like he's not running the company by any means, but I think they have to run it by Michael Jordan before like, like I, tru- I truly think he sees it and signs off on it. So Dak leaves Adidas signs a five-year deal with the Jordan brand, um, which I think is just so cool. So, um, you know, I don't know what that means to, you know, I don't know how much even the common fan cares about that stuff. 
But I think it's like the Jordan brand, they take the best of the best. And uh, he just adds that to all his other uh, co-endorsements. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, John, if you have thoughts on that and Kent, you have thoughts on that. But other well, than other, other than I think it's great, I don't have like a hardcore opinion on it, but I do think it's really cool. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's a – oh, go ahead, Kent. You know, just echoing what you said about, you know, Jordan kind of handpicking – um, who is associated with Jordan Brand, and that's that's always kind of been a thing. You know, Dez was was with Jordan Brand when he was a uh, a cowboy and made a big deal about that, about you know wanting to be associated with with Michael Jordan from a from a really young age. Dak will be the only quarterback uh, on the Jordan Brand, so I think that's that's awesome for them. It's going to be exciting to see what what the Jordan Brand does with advertising and things like that with a face like Dak Prescott, I'm sure we're going to see him front and center on a lot of big stages, you know, Super Bowl ads, things like that. Uh, Dak's supposed to get his own shoe from what my sources tell me. So, uh, you know, we'll see a Dak uh, signature cleat uh, that your, you know, high school kid can go purchase, which will be very exciting as well. Maybe a a Dak brand that we can wear some t-shirts and things like that. And my sources tell me also Dak's supposed to go to Oregon to meet Michael Jordan. So, um, oh, cool. So I don't know when that's going to happen, but maybe uh, we'll see some pictures of the goat with uh, the f- the future goat. Yeah, and I, I, I know, think. Oh, go ahead, John. I just think that he's such an easy guy to have endorsing your product. Like you don't have to worry yeah. about him. Like you yeah. don't have to worry he's about him bet. doing anything to embarrass your brand. Uh, and at the end of the day, he's not only one of the most visible players in the NFL. But, I mean, he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. So. Uh, you know, Des Bryant had had a deal with Jordan, uh, and I can say from my own perspective, you know, obviously th- those guys are probably most pleased with the significant money they're getting paid from the brand. Uh, one of the biggest changes for me is you get to wear some of the best cleats. I mean, the jo- the Jordan, they kind of look like Jordan 11s. I think he was wearing during practice in OTAs. They're all black OTAs minicamp, just badass badass cleats. I mean, nothing against Adidas or whatever out there, but like. I'm a very pro Nike Air Jordan type guy when it comes to like the actual look of the shoes. And uh, I mean, Air Jordan, it'd be it'd be tough to pass up on them if they if if he comes calling, even if he didn't, even if I don't get that personal call from Michael Jordan, which I'm sure he did, uh, it would be very easy to do that. And then here's the other thing. I'm, I'm sure they just offered him a boatload of money. But sure. <laughs> on top of that, it's just like, I mean, you're talking about a guy like I was just looking at the list a little while ago. I mean, he's got Oikos, Pepsi, Sleep Number, New Era, Citibank, 7-Eleven, DirecTV, Campbell's Chunky Soup, Beats by Dre, AT&T. I mean, and I'm probably missing like two or three. Like, I mean, he is, I mean, I don't think of, I don't think NFL players are as visible as like the top NBA players, just by the nature of of the game. Um, But for NFL players, I don't think that there's, I mean, aside from like your Tom Brady's and Regardless, I don't even have to go down the list. Whoever's going to be on Dak's level are all going to be quarterbacks. And so to have somebody like Dak being like one of the faces of your brand on the NFL side, I mean, I, again, I don't know how much he's getting paid out of it. All I was told was that it was a five-year deal. I'm, I'm sure it's he's getting paid very well. Um, I, and before we go to the juicy stuff, some of the fun stories from days in the locker room of the past, I, I, I want to ask you this, and if you don't want this on the podcast, Kent, just edit it out. <laughs> uh, but the, the, a big story in the NFL has been how many players, uh, you know, what are the percentages of guys getting vaccinated and things like that. Uh, do we have any feeling for how much, you know, what percentage of the Cowboys players and coaches are fully vaccinated and things like that moving forward? I, I will say we didn't ask as many players about that 
uh, during our conference calls as I've seen some other uh, reporters ask different teams. Um, Mike McCarthy was asked about it and, and chose not to reveal any. I mean, understandably, I don't think I'm, sure. if I'm the head coach, I'm going to reveal any of that. Um, so I don't I don't know any exact numbers of like is 75 percent of the team vaccinated or whatever like that. But I will say this, um, you know, just in my time covering the team, whatever fans want to say on the outside about Jerry doesn't know what he's doing. He, you know, he's ruining this franchise. I hate that they always show Jerry Jones on TV. I can't wait till Jerry Jones is no longer the owner. Yeah, that's because you don't play on the team and you're not employed by him. Like everything that he does and says matters. Like these, the players like know when Jerry's there, like how big of a deal it is. I mean, he's a very, it just like when he comes to practice, you know, he's there. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And Jerry is very, very pro vaccine. I haven't heard anybody sports wise talk about like being more pro vaccine than, than Jerry has since the draft. I mean, they were wearing those stickers about being vaccinated and Jerry in, in the war room or in the draft room when the draft was going on saying that they'd been vaccinated. Jerry being open that nobody would be allowed in, in the uh, draft room if they weren't 100 percent fully vaccinated. Like so I would say that I th- I would on top of all the stuff I've seen being reported today about all the the different protocols that are going to be in place for if you did get vaccinated or if you're not vaccinated. I don't think that there's anybody behind the scenes banging the drum for getting vaccinated to the players more than Jerry Jones is with the Cowboys. So that doesn't mean that there aren't strong-willed guys that are like, no, I'm I'm not getting it, whether it be for their own health reasons or religious beliefs or... Beasley's gone, so... We yeah. don't have to worry about that. Well, right, but I mean that's that doesn't mean that there's still you know there's still players. I know, uh, I know. We don't have to worry about hearing about it. Is what I meant. Yeah. yeah like, well, what do you mean about we don't have to worry about hearing about? It? Like well, there could still be players. I mean, we're only getting a I know. limited number we're, of players. We're just, we're just like no cowboy. I mean, no cowboys players currently are tweeting about how they're not going to get vaccinated or anything like that. And no, well, no, but get if, if like certain protocols are in place, just common sense will tell you. Oh, this player is doing this. This player probably didn't get vaccinated. Then, if they're still having to wear a mask at the facility, they're going to have to distance and things like that. Like, right? But they're not openly openly bashing it on social media. And like Montez with, Sweat with did with yeah. the Reds with the yeah. Washington Football Team. Okay, I guess yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. it remains to be seen. If they I just start feel doing like that, I yeah. feel like that there's very few players that are just openly bashing it. Uh, I feel like there's more players that have been asked about it and then shared like a Sam Darnold, like a Josh Allen that, well, no, I haven't. And, you know, and, and baseball players too, because obviously they have their uh, rules in place where 75% of the team has to be vaccinated so that they can get rid of all the previous protocols. And there's obviously teams that aren't 75%. So they still have to go through those protocols. Um, but I haven't, I, I guess I just haven't noticed many people, like obviously you said, you know, Cole Beasley, he's Cole Beasley was tweeting at the CDC saying, what if I don't want to wear a mask? Stuff like, yeah. stuff like that. And yeah, then, right, was, and then it, fighting with fans and stuff. You know, it's kind of like that stubborn Cole Beasley way, though. Just kind of ask a few, asking questions. Like you know, I felt like he's a guy that had to be talked into it. And a lot of these guys are going to be, ta- uh, you know, talked into it. I mean, look, you got to go back and find it all. But there is a history of why some people might be skeptical. Um, one thing that I would say, though, and this is just me, okay. So no one jump off sides. No one get triggered. Oh, I, I, I got a take too coming. So go ahead. I've seen the ESPN series playmakers. Um, okay. I know that these guys, when they get injured, 
at times, take shots, cortisone shots, <laughs> steroid shots, things like that to help out with injury. So it's very weird to me when everyone else, like if you just look around and go, oh, yeah, well, most of the guys or the players don't want to get tested every day and don't want to wear a mask and things like that. It's very weird that there would be some skepticism on the cure to a global pandemic. Meanwhile, the head trauma that you go get on a weekly basis is all just a part of the job. Yeah. Like that's a very strange thing to me. So like I, I just <laughs> – but I get it and everyone has a choice and I support everyone having a choice. I truly do. Um, so, but like if you look at the what the NFL and NFLPA did today with their agreement, the differences in what you can do if you're fully vaccinated compared to what you can do if you're not fully vaccinated are very, very – it's not shocking. It's just – it's pretty extreme. To yeah. no daily testing, to testing every day. When, when I read that thing no over, mask. when I read that thing over, the first thing I took away, and I made sure that I read it before I read anything on Twitter. I didn't want to hear anybody's opinions about. It. I wanted to just read it for myself. The very, I mean, it just screams like, "We want you all to get vaccinated." Like this is how difficult we're going to make it if you don't. And and for me personally, one of, I mean, I was probably going to get the vaccine no matter what. But one of the biggest reasons is because a few months ago. We started hearing some stuff behind the scenes being floated out that you, you, you'll probably want to get the vaccine if you want to start getting back to being able to go in the locker rooms and have your job be anything close to what it was before. Like the NFL is kind of putting out some things that like just for the media, like, hey, just know that we're probably going to be if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But your 2021 is going to be a lot like the way you cover the team in 2020. And for a person like me who like my whole life is built around like the Cowboys, like and covering the Cowboys, like for my own mental health, I needed to get back to the way it was before doing zoom calls from my house, like covering road games from my house, like not good for my mental health. Like I was like, okay, I need this to get back to as close to normal as possible. And it made me think like, I wonder how many players feel that way too, where they were like guys that might be on the fence on it, but might be just like, yeah, but I got to get this because I can't be going through this. Like we can only have 15 guys in the weight room and then we, and I can't eat next to this player or, and then when I'm in the facility, I can't sit this close to somebody. I have to have a mask. And like they're the NFL is making that, that if you want to get back to normal doing your job, it's probably the, you probably should get vaccinated. And, and, and quickly, because with training camps happening next month, you know, some teams right. do, you know, have training camp at their facilities, but for instance, a team like the Cowboys who goes out to California, a lot of teams are mobile and go elsewhere. The last one on the list from the NFL, if you're fully vaccinated, you can interact with that vaccinated family and friends during team travel. If you're not fully vaccinated, you may not leave the team hotel to eat in restaurants. Yeah. May not interact with anyone outside of the of the party. Like you're basically you're locked in. Like you're just locked up. So and we'll see if the Sam Darnolds and the Montez Sweats of the world see how they react to this. And maybe they just say, okay, I still don't want it. And again, that's fine. That's their choice. But I mean, we, there's there's a ton of evidence that's going to tell you that that it's it's very helpful. You know, Montez Sweat to me didn't help his cause when he said, "I I won't get treated for COVID until I get COVID." I said, "Man, that's a bad plan. That's a really bad plan." Um, you know, I I, I don't know. It's, it's, I want everyone to get vaccinated. I got a friend that died last week. Yeah, get vaccinated right? so you don't spread COVID. It's not. It's not. Whether you think it, and I think that's what the NFL is worried about is these players spreading it to, to vulnerable people. They're not, 
not as much worried about the the public health of of their players, which you know you obviously pointed out, KT. Whether it is we're in a, still in a pandemic, and we don't need fans and and players spreading this thing around. Still, you know, yeah. that's what we're trying to avoid. I got a friend who died last week, and everyone's heard that story of someone else. I got a friend who died last week, this far into it, and it was another slap in the face to me. And he hadn't been vaccinated, and I just can't help but think that it would have been different if he had been. Um, right. But, you know, it's, uh, again, everyone's choice and all that stuff, and I totally believe in all that as well. And it and it always hits it hits some people different when it comes close to home, too, you know? Well, absolutely. Like, there's some people that, you know, probably live in places where it hasn't impacted them at all. So they're like, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm not getting that vaccine. I haven't seen nothing, like no, nothing's happened to anybody I know and stuff like that. So, you know, especially young in shape athletes. And, and two, again, right, I'm yeah. not ignoring the history of vaccinations in this country um, because there have been times where bad things have happened to people. Granted, it was years ago, um, but I do understand that. But I just want everyone to like not get their information off Twitter, I guess. Okay. If Steve 01976438 is telling you something on Twitter, he's probably wrong. Um, that's but just me. If you want to get your Cowboys news, get it from at J O N M A C H O T A, all lowercase. Yeah. That's the that's the Agreed. weight he carries. All right. That's the right. burden he has to bear on this right. show. John Mashoda, the father. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, locker room stories from years past because this is kind of a fun thing. This is a pull-back-the-curtain type of thing, if you will. Um, and Kent, you tasked us with uh, bringing three stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, three memories. I have some. Three memories, even. Yeah, three memories. Um, I, I see that you've pulled some audio as well. So I'll, I want you to go first, Kit, since this was okay. your idea. Yeah. So, you know, the listener hopefully knows I worked, uh, you know, for the Cowboys uh, website uh, since from 2013 until 2018. And during that time, it was, you know, pretty crazy transition period. You know, you're going from the, the Romo era basically to the Dak era and a lot of drama, you know, moving from the uh, – 
one franchise quarterback to another, and then you've got uh, you know the move from Valley Ranch to the Star. So a lot of this audio, a lot of these memories, I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to find the audio because a lot of it took place at Valley Ranch. I didn't know um, if it was uploaded to YouTube at the time, if the Cowboys still had it on their website. Um, but thankfully, you know, those great people at DallasCowboys.com, former co-workers, had it archived. And after about an hour, I was able to dig back five years on the archives and find most of this. So the first one I want to share uh, is Tony Romo. And this is him talking in Seattle in the preseason after the injury. And I filmed this at the time. And I remember even at the time being like, wow, that's that might come back to haunt him, <laughs> you know? And so this is basically what happened was obviously, you know, he got hurt in the game, um, came out of the game. And then, uh, you know, it was revealed later that week that he had a had sustained a back injury. But this is what was said um, by Romo after the game. He takes a few questions here uh, afterwards. For all the people out there who saw this and said, okay, here we go again, what do you have to say to them? <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, uh, we were being smart. And, you know, whenever you take a hit, I mean, that was, that was a perfect timed situation. I was going into slide and obviously caught me from behind but uh, in a weird way I feel um, you know good about the fact that you can that was probably as tough a hit I took on the back as I've had in the last five years so you know from that regard um, I feel very lucky that it just it can hold up and you can keep going what do you say to the observer who says on the flip side maybe this is a reason that you shouldn't be playing at all in a preseason game oh no I mean you I think you know, you can't put people in bubble and <laughs> bubble wrap and just see what happened. You know, I think you got to you got to play and uh, it's football. You're going to get hit and things happen. And, you know, if, <laughs> I don't think we'll have another one as far as uh, a hit that uh, is that timed perfect on your back. I mean, that that really is just a full right down on top of you. That's as extreme one as you don't want to have, I guess you could say. So it, it's a good sign that I, you know, we came out of it. Did you do an X-ray? We didn't do an X-ray. There's no sensations or feelings that would make you want to do that. What, what did you feel? Well, it's like a, like at the moment when you go down, it, it kind of feels you crunch, and so your back gets squished, I guess you could say, and so you you kind of feel the almost like a, a sensation of if someone gave you a stinger in your shoulder or something, where it just feels hot for a second, and then that just dissipates after a minute and you're like okay all those things that you felt before with back injuries you're like those are all fine and then your strength comes back and you're like okay you know it just takes a little bit and then it was a coach's decision not to you know go back out oh man a couple of things there uh first the iso of his his initial reaction to david moore asking him what do you tell fans who say here we go again because this is coming off of 2015 when he essentially missed the entire season due to injury. For all the people out there who saw this and said, okay, here we go again, what do you have to say to them? <laughs> uh, it, 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 no, we didn't, we don't even need to x-ray it because there's nothing there. You know, it, it, let me just say that, that hit ended his career, by the way, if I didn't make that clear. Well, I think Dak Prescott, you have to add that well, in that, the, that the combination right, because right. I don't think anybody expected other than maybe Dak Prescott, that he would come in and just run with the job the way that he did. I mean, that just was, I mean, maybe in a year or two, but not immediately like that. 
Uh, so I think that that factored in too, that even if you would have told Tony right after that, like, Hey, you know, you're probably gonna be out for like the first six or seven games. I can guarantee you at the time he was thinking, all right, well, you know, we'll oh, try and get by and then I'll get, be back I'll get tomorrow, you know, I'll He's, get back. Well, yeah. I'm saying after he had the x-ray, I'm right. saying. Yeah. 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 So after no at that, my job. It was Jamil showers right. at that point or what? Or Kellen Moore, right? No, it would have been Dak then. Kellen had already gone down. Kellen had then. already gone down. So, because remember, Dak came in that game right oh, away and, lo- and yeah. looked good. Yeah. Um, so, I'm just saying that I, I feel like even if you told Romo right after that game, hey, you know, you're going to miss the first six or seven games, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, that sucks. But, you know, I'll come back when I come back. And hopefully we're still in a position where I can, you know, make a little bit of a run and we'll do this again. And probably would have tried to do it again the following year, too. But it was just made so clear to him that, no, this success that Dak had, they're not going to turn their back on this. And then that's when he did that concession speech. Yeah. What another thing time. about that, and- another thing about that, just one second, KT, is the end where where um, he says it was coach's decision not to put me put me back in. <laughs> like, you know, he he was like, all right, cool, I'm good. Let's go back. You know, can you imagine if he had gone back in that game and then it was revealed that he had broken his back? I, you know, I, I mean, good grief. I didn't understand. And who knows whose call it was? Maybe Tony made the call. Maybe they know. Maybe it was not even in question. But I remember being on the radio that day going, wait, so Tyron's not playing and we're going to, like, Tony's going to play? Like, why? Like, I thought if Tony was going to play, at least Tyron should have been healthy enough to play. But they're like, no, time, we're not going to uh, rush Tyron because Tyron was going through something just on the cautious side, didn't play that game. And then that happens to Tony. And I was just like, I said today on the radio, I know I'm not the only one who said this, but I was like, I said it on the radio, he shouldn't have played. Like, how did this happen? But I think uh, for all the credit Tony gets for being uh, Romo Domus or whatever on the CBS broadcast for predicting plays, he could have been more wrong in the first two minutes. But he's like, oh, no, no x-ray needed. Yeah, didn't even feel that sensation. Man, yeah, he could that, have been not freaking out the media and all that well, stuff. Well, he was trying but, to get ahead of the storyline, that's for sure. Yeah. The other part is, like, I understand if this was college or high school blaming the coaching staff on him playing there, but Tony Romo is a seasoned veteran quarterback playing in a preseason football game. He knows the ability of Tyron Smith. He knows that that Tyron Smith is not out on the field. He knows that I probably, in this meaningless preseason game, should not try and scramble with the football and possibly just throw it away. I mean, some of the burden goes on him, too, there. Especially for a guy who's, like, so reliant on, hey, I can see the field, and, you know, when you're a veteran quarterback and you can see everything, you don't need to, you know, like that type of thing. It's like, you didn't need the reps, dude. You didn't need the reps. But I also think that in that game that... Of my time covering the team, I think that was probably one of the more motivated preseason games they've played in because you got to remember what they had in 2016 after they had Zeke. They already thought remember that Zeke they were going to be pretty good. Chancellor in that game? Right. I think that they went in that game trying to set the tone. Like, hey, we know how good that this Seattle team is. We know who they are. We know they just went to the Super Bowl. And again, they went to it that season too. That certainly was a measuring stick type team that they played against and that they wanted a role, and it didn't really end up going that way. Actually, you know what? That's 2016. They didn't go to the Super Bowl that year, I don't think. No, they went 2013-2014, but Seattle was very well known yeah. at that time. Is like, this is a measuring stick. Like, oh, you think you're for real in the NFC? Let's take it to these guys. And I could see them being like, hey, we're only going to be out here for a little bit. Let, let's show these guys what's up. And it was certainly, the first as series, you mentioned, wasn't it? It was like the second or third play of the first series. Certainly, as you mentioned about Ezekiel Elliott, like the way he played in that game certainly seemed like it was more than just a ra- random preseason game to that to that Cowboys team. John, let's go to your first story. Well, it's it's the one that when 
Kent was texting us about the audio that, like I said to him in there, like, not only does this one have to be mentioned for the Cowboys, this would be one of the top five and arguably the top ones. If you're talking about locker room things in the last decade in the entire NFL, it's Dez's fix this shit rich rant. Um, and yeah. and I want to get into this because I'm going to share a lot of the background that has never even been talked about about this. It's very topical the way people talk about this. So I'm going to give all the background on it right now. And then, Kent, you can play the audio at the end. But I just want to give the lead up into this, okay? This is a Cowboys team in 2015 that Romo's already down injured. This is the year before. Obviously, they go and draft, draft Dak. Des Bryant's coming off of you know, holding out and then getting that big contract right before this season, this particular 2015 season starts, $70 million, you know, this was a big year for Des Bryant and Stoney Romo goes down. And so what does the team do? The team plays terribly and this is coming off of, they lost to Seattle in week eight, 13 to 12, terrible game. Dak, I think, I mean, uh, Des had, I think two catches. Matt Castle was the quarterback uh, Cowboys dropped to, yeah, it was week eight. Cowboys dropped to two and five. Okay. And we know how much of a disaster that season was. Well, coming off that game, he only had two catches. Des had missed the previous, I don't know how many weeks out with an injury. So John Jack Taylor wrote about how for this to get turned around, Des needs to step up. He needs to be the $70 million man. He needs to step up. Yada, yada, yada. You can still read the article it's still up on, on, he was working for ESPN at the time. Well, I knew being around Dez as much as I had been, that Dez was going to probably not be thrilled. Dez read everything. Yeah, he read everything. And so when JJT walks in there, I saw when he went over to his locker room that Dez was pretty worked up already. And I knew what it was about because I had read the column. And it wasn't really that bad. Like, he's not really ripping him. I mean, he makes a big case for him throughout. Like, hey, and it's not just on him. It's other guys on the team need to step up too. Romo's out. But hey, you know, this is a $70 million guy. He needs more than two catches, like yada, yada, yada. So anyway, I see that they're getting pretty animated over there. But here's the thing. Robert Klemko tweeted about it. And Robert Klemko, I believe, was working for Sports Illustrated at the time. And he tweeted that Dez just got into this match. Actually, you know what? Because I wanted to make sure that I I did. Klemko was only there for like like that week because he was doing a feature. Okay, that's a key part of my story. Okay, so this is his exact tweet. I dug it up. So this is on 11-12-2015 at 1.41 p.m. He goes... Des Bryant just blew up on a reporter, went on 10-minute rant, quote, until they stop disrespecting this team, I don't give a fuck, mother effer, mother effers are sick. I guess I could have said motherfucker because yeah, I just said just fuck, said, so, <laughs> so yeah, I don't give a fuck, but it's hard for me to read it because there's, dash, there's dashes in it, so that's why I was like, you know, because it's a tweet, so yeah, until they stop disrespecting this team, I don't give a fuck, motherfuckers are sick, okay, here's the thing. Did I hear that stuff? Yes. The reason I'm not tweeting stuff about that and other people that cover the team aren't tweeting stuff about that is because it was not an outlier. Like, if you covered the team enough, you were kind of like, oh, Des is going off on somebody right now. I'm glad it's not me today. It's a normal day. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) But because he's not normally in the locker room, he tweeted that out. And so to that uh, uh, effect, from that to this day, that's, you know, six years ago, we're not allowed to tweet in the locker room anymore because of stuff like this, because... Who thought that somebody would go back to their locker and like Des knew that he got he was pretty hot, so he went and tweeted his own and looked up his own name on Twitter, and that's when he goes, you know, I, th- I don't remember if he said, I think he, he said, said who's Ro- he said who is Robert, Robert Klemko. Klemko. He stood so up Klemko, and, and screamed who is Robert Klemko, and then Klemko was like, "That's me." So Klemko like, goes over tweeting, there. Why are you tweeting 
tweeting uh, crap or something or I don't yeah wasn't it so so Klemko goes over to him and then that's when Des gets up in his face and you're just like oh well this is not going to be good because this isn't somebody that Des even knows and he's certainly pissed off that this guy just tweeted this stuff and so that's when it gets into Jason Witten is at his locker at that point talking to reporters and so nobody from the PR staff really knows how quite annoyed Des is but it's quickly getting to that point and then all of a sudden now players are stepping in uh one of which being Devin Street because his locker was right next to Des's and Devin Street is trying to get in between Klemko and Des because it's like okay why is this reporter like standing like face to face with Des like like he should probably just be walking away and he wasn't walking away so it knew it was kind of bubbling to an area that this probably isn't going to be good so I don't know which audio clip you have but uh, yeah. This is what followed. Yeah, that that's pretty much where where it starts here. This is uh, it starts with Jason Witten's audio, and then it goes to uh, to Dez's audio. It's weird. I was here that day, but I oddly wasn't filming Jason Witten or Dez. I was just kind of standing in between them to witness this. KT, were you in the locker room that day? I don't remember. I was not that day. Okay, but I was. Uh, I remember being on the air when all that was going down, though. Yeah. So it starts with Jason Witten here. And, uh, and then we'll get to Des. This is full unedited uh, for the most part. You can do it. Is it to have that resolve and understand. Believe a lot of what we're doing is really good. And we just got to be able to finish those games. One second. Excuse me. <laughs> it's funny how Witten is trucking along, trucking along there. And he, he continues until he hears Des say, what you just said about me wasn't accurate. And then, and then well, he's like, let's remember this. Let's remember this too. <laughs> I believe it was 2013 on that sideline in Detroit, right? you know, where J- Witten and, and Des got into it. Like if anybody knows how fast Des can go zero to a hundred, like it's Jason <laughs> Witten. So like if somebody else might've been just arguing, you know, there's obviously a few other players that Witten's played with, but Des is certainly one of them where he was like, cause that's the only time in my life of covering the team eight years when Witten was on it, that I ever saw him step away from something like that, where it was like, I need to get involved. It was like, yeah, your dad, your dad has to come in and break things up. You know, (laughs) it was, it was one of those. Okay, here we go. You can do it. To have that resolve and understand, believe a lot of what we're doing is really good. And we just got to be able to finish those games. One second. Excuse me. It's not exactly what I just said. So get it right. Yeah, you just did. How about y'all fix this shit, bitch? How about you fix it, bitch? You talking to us, you talking to the wrong people. You talking to the wrong people. Well, I'll make sure I put it out there. Since y'all not gonna say nothing. I'm gonna make sure y'all call street and up. I'm gonna post that on Twitter. And then I'm gonna let them know why, why I do this. Why I do this. I'm going to let it be known why I do it. She's not right, man. Legendary. Yeah. Seems like it was yesterday. And then it's, we, of course, out of that, we got this legendary. How about y'all fix this shit, bitch? That legendary drop. And, and this is another drop from it that is not as big, but I think it, it has a good application, too. You talking to the wrong people. Talk to the wrong people. Yeah, he was talking about like because Rich wasn't talking to any media members. He was just trying to kind yeah. of cu- he came in there to kind of calm down calm Des. Down Des yeah. And you can hear you can hear Rich talking to him like a little bit. That's the uh, voice in the background that is 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 like speaking at like a, kind of a a normal tone. But obviously Des is real fired up, and so that's where because he's looking at Rich because Rich is trying to tell him like you know trying to like I guess 
get to the bottom of things. And then that's when, that's why he yells, fix this shit, Rich. It wasn't like he's like found Rich and was like yelled at him like that. They were, they were actually having conversation at that point. Yeah. It's like, um, the thing too, like when you're trying to calm down the guy who's freaking out on people, it's almost like makes it worse too. <laughs> oh, for, and especially with Des. I mean, there was just, yeah. there was multiple well, times where stuff like that happened. Oh, this is my first one, and I'm sure you guys will remember it, my first story at least, not in uh, order, but I was going to do something else, but since we mentioned Des, let's go ahead and get the, the Des one out of the way. Um, it was 2014, and the Cowboys at training camp uh, had just given Tyron Smith a big contract. Oh, yeah. All right, so they give Tyron the big contract, and we know Des could probably be eligible. He was Des was going to be a free agent the, the next year, right? But you know the talks about signing Des had already begun, and that ended up as we all remember being a big, long, drawn out thing. Well, there's some chaos. So we're doing the radio show uh, on the tennis courts, uh, me and Ben and Skin uh, from the Ben and Skin show, and you hear. The, uh, you know, you just hear the commotion out in the parking lot, right? And then it goes away. You just hear a guy yelling, and everyone's like, is that Des? Well, a guy from San Antonio by the name of Greg Simmons goes to Twitter like an hour later and says, after Cowboys announced eight-year, $110 million extension, Des Bryant visibly upset in parking lot with staffer and a teammate. All right, so he has this tweet about Dez being upset, and now the narrative starts going on Twitter. Dez is mad because Tyron got a deal. Now, whether that's fair or unfair, I don't know. Who knows why Dez was mad? But it could have been that, totally, right? Yeah. It could have been well, a lot of things. That tweet happens. Time goes by, and just enough time to go by for Dez to see it. And I think the time was like an hour, because I remember this being in the first hour of our show, and we hit the air at three. So, uh, three central time or whatever. So, about probably 3.45, maybe it was maybe it was 3.30. Dez is running towards the tennis courts, not in a full sprint, and flanking him are two members of Cowboys PR, right? And the if you remember the tennis courts... Uh, just where they're at in Oxnard, it's real easy. You just open the door and just walk onto the tennis courts. Dez was coming for that Greg Simmons guy, I think, although I never found <laughs> out. But as as Dez is moving towards the outside of the tennis court, before he gets into the tennis court, one of the members of the Cowboys PR yells at us to hold the door. So we had a guest on, it's probably Fish, um, and then... Uh, <laughs> Ben gets up to like hold the door, right? And then I get up and we're holding the door shut so Des doesn't run on the tennis court. And you know who knows what happens. So you guys kind of you guys think you were Ben stronger than him? You, no, you guys held we him were, off. There was enough there was enough by the, there was enough people around Des. I remember enough people around Des to stop him from getting on the on the tennis court. Right? And I remember one of the members of the Cowboys PR just kind of going, all right, just don't make a big deal about it. And because we were on the home of the Cowboys at the time, we did the right thing for the partnership and all that stuff and and did the whole, yeah, we, we won't talk about it. Well, but, you know, then that guy, and, and by the way, that guy's tweet, that hadn't been talked about on the air yet. Like, no one really saw that tweet until after, I think, Des was coming for that guy. 
like, who's he going after? Some guy from San Antonio who was. So I think that's all accurate, right? But it's all kind of such a blur because it was seven years ago. But I, I just remember talking about all that stuff. And I remember like, what is he mad about? Well, much like that Klimko thing that set him off. He didn't like when people were saying what's going on, right? If people yeah. are tweeting out what's really going on, that set him off. So, yeah, it it's also deal, but- ironic that the last year he was here was that year that the, the all or nothing crew was here and all the yeah. all in the in the meeting room stuff came out and all that. It was did not look good on him towards the end there. No, but I think like that's the thing, and they all knew it. Having Des was great at times. But it also, like, you were going to have these crazy outbursts, uh, these crazy irrational outbursts at times, and just part of the deal. Yeah. I, I, was, always, I was always against, though, the, the uh, whole, Dan's just freaking out on the sideline. Like, man, sometimes we don't know what he's saying down there, you know? And maybe it's not good energy, just yelling, right? But it was still always kind of like a, a thing that I was always very uncomfortable with people talking about. Oh, Dez is freaking out on the sideline. What a bad thing. Well, how do we know it's a bad influence? I mean, his teammates seem to like him for the most part. Like, Right. I would just, know, so- the only thing I would say about that is um, it very rarely was happening on the other 31 sidelines. So when you're yes. constantly have that, um, you know, people, again, kind of that don't cover the team on an everyday basis. And, and not to say that every single time that it was constructive, there were certainly times where it probably wasn't constructive. Um, but yeah, that aren't used to him being that way or being a player being as emotional as, as Des was, but I could see how just a person like, let's say, you know, me covering the Cowboys, there's a, you know, 49ers receiver that is one of the best players in the league and is always doing stuff like that. Like I think from time to time on Sundays, while I'm watching the game, I might tweet something about like, geez, that guy's yeah. always fired up or something like that. So from afar, because you don't see it with other teams, that's where I can see it. Like it stands out. Uh, Kent, let's go to your second one. Yeah. Um, so this is a number, another number 88. Um, this wasn't what during my time, uh, covering the Cowboys, but I, I pulled this clip when I worked there and I spent a while trying to, trying to dig this up cause I'd read about it for so long. So this is Michael Irvin blowing up in the locker room after finding out that Jimmy Johnson had been fired from the Cowboys. And so what you're going to hear here is basically all the media, is standing right outside the locker room in Valley Ranch. And there's this little curtain that used to separate the media from the actual locker room area. And the media would stand outside the curtain and then, you know, Rich would say, okay, you guys can enter. And we would go in and, and talk to everybody. So the media standing outside there and that's, that's where we pick up. Stay out. All y'all stay your asses out. Locker room off limits. Locker room off limits. I'm claiming them off limits. Everybody out. Hey, if you're not busting out your player, let's go out. I'm bringing luck from all of them. Let's go. Hey, y'all, we're going to play with y'all or something. Hey, y'all. That was the sound of him picking up a trash can and and throwing it through the, uh, through the curtain at the media. Uh, that clip is in my documentary, Welcome to Switzerland, that, that covers, uh, you know, from Jimmy to Barry, basically. And, uh, yeah, I, I looked forever for that clip, and it's an amazing, uh, you know, players reference it all the time, hearing, seeing Michael throw a trash can 
after Jimmy got fired because he couldn't, he couldn't, they just won two Super Bowls and then their coach got yeah. fired. He was so freaking pissed. He was throwing crap at the media. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's something about the 88 that you have to be that guy in the locker room. This was almost the best part of that. And unfortunately it didn't go the way I wanted it to, but man, it would have been great if that, when he goes, are you a player? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, okay, you can stay in here. Like if he, <laughs> if he didn't know that yeah. this guy was a player on the team, they're like, oh, okay. Okay. What position? I'm the kicker. Okay. Okay. You can stay in here. Everybody else out. Like, when, when he's like, you think I'm playing with y'all? It's because cameras were like sticking their cameras in through the curtain to try to film him yeah. yelling. And, the, and it appears that they got what they wanted. Chunked the, uh, the thing. I can promise you that they would have preferred that footage over the guys. I just don't feel like talking today and calmly went to his locker. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've seen that like. Back in the day when that happened, that was a that was a huge deal. Yeah, and right I when it happened, never thought I'd ever be news, anything yeah. close to covering the Cowboys or ever even living in Dallas. And I remember that was a huge deal. Yeah, yep, yeah. Woody what was like, I was at my house in Arizona and I'm watching the news, and here's Michael throwing stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get back to town. <laughs> you know, this is the off season. But uh, man, what a time at Valley Ranch. Um, I'll play another one here, KT. Speaking of Valley Ranch, okay. Um, 2015, John Greg Hardy. Man. Well, why don't you just let me use one that's on my list? Oh, go for it. You got a Hardy one? Okay. Well, of course. Right, that's John's, a, okay, that's go a, for it. Yeah, maybe that's a, got Let's it. keep it You've official. Here's John's second pick yeah, in the like, story draft. Like, I honestly think that, you know, at the time that I covered the team, that there's no question that this is number two behind the Des one. And again, this is at Valley Ranch. And it's like, keep in mind, Greg Hardy coming in, like, it was already it was already not a good thing when they when they had signed him. With all the stuff, all the, uh, what's it called? all the domestic violence stuff off the field. I mean, he. Let's, I'm trying to make sure I have this correct here. All right. So he was suspended on April 22nd for 10 games. Okay. for that. Now that was for violating the NFL personal conduct policy. But on July 10th, that's when they reduced it to only four games. So he misses the first four games and then he's about to come back for the fifth game and they're about to play the Patriots. And this is, and this has to be the clip that you have. And yeah, it's when it not only is he mentioned now, this is after like there had been reports that came out and, uh, I believe even some photos of some guns he had on the bed uh, during this uh, domestic dispute. And he and then in his first interview with reporters talks about how he wants to come out guns a blazing. So I, I, we were already kind of like, wow, this is, you know, we had really talked to him. We didn't really know like how he was going to be or whatever. But then he gets into talking about Tom Brady and getting to face Tom Brady and more specifically how much he's looking forward to it because of his wife being Giselle Bunchton and uh, hoping that Giselle would be at the game and Giselle's sister, if she has a sister, and going into all this. Other Again, this is your first like time talking to reporters after it's not like that's bizarre if they had just signed you and there was no off the field concerns. So when he started saying all this stuff, I was just like, wow, this is going to be wild. And I just remember the look on like reporters face like, is he really saying this right now? Like, it, I, everybody around him felt uncomfortable. It was just like, I don't even, I don't even, should we keep asking questions? Like keep in mind too, in a situation like this, just to give you guys some background, like when you get a guy like that, who already has that many off the field concerns, you know, he's not going to be made available to reporters very often. So generally speaking, you're not trying to cut that interview off after five minutes because you're like, Hey, whatever I'm, I'm trying to get here. I might have, I might be trying to get stuff for stories a week, two weeks ahead. Cause we might not talk to him again for a while. And so he's saying all this stuff, and it's just like I just I I really felt uncomfortable. I couldn't believe where it was going. Yeah, I don't have the uh, the, the the Giselle clip because I think that was 
after the the cameras had turned off and y'all were still talking to him and he kind of went off on on Giselle and y'all. Yeah, he said something along the lines it. of, y'all, I, I it was still this reported, is the though. quote. He said, I love seeing Tom Brady. He's cool as crap. You've seen his wife? I hope she comes to the game. I hope her sister comes to the game. I hope all her friends come to the game. Yeah. And it went on like more than that, but it was like at that I point, do I, have like, a, I do have one whoa. of the clips, clips you referenced though. So this was Greg Hardy's first stand up. And uh, there's two cuts here. And one of them you did reference, John. This is this is 14 months now before you return to the field. Just can you talk about where you are emotionally and, and, and physically being away for so long and, and how excited you are to get back? Pretty much feel like the Kraken, mythological sea creature style, you know, same old G. Hardy. Doesn't really change. It's a day-in, day-out attitude. Greg, you've got, a, you've got a sack of game habit and an all-pro background stuff. Will it take a while to ramp up to that, or has all this time been ramping up to that? I hope not. I hope I, hope I come out guns blazing, you know, I'm... Um, Ooh, yeah, that was bad. He was just the Kraken, you know, sea creature. Um, that was typical his first sea, answer. Typical, I'm just typical the Kraken. Sea, We're like, uh, okay. Typical <laughs> sea creature style. That's what he said. Just G Hardy, you know. And here's another Greg Hardy clip while we're on the uh, on the uh, the topic here. This is after the game against the Giants, I believe. The Cowboys lose. And Greg Hardy looks like he just got, he had been bawling his eyes out for the past three hours when we talked to him. Like his eyes are just, so red, his face is red, yeah, and then the cameras turn on, and this is this is what happens. Greg, describe your emotions right now. No comment. Next question. Sean just said that he looks at the energy you showed. No comment. Next question. No comment. Next question. Any other questions? No comment. Next question. Any other questions? No comment. 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 Any other questions? Thank you guys for coming. I appreciate y'all very much. Uh, Come on, John. Why weren't you chiming in there with some questions? You could have broken that thing up. He would have answered yours. He loved you. He (laughs) said uh, no comment. No, Uh, no, I remember being in the back of, because this is our thing with Greg Hardy, like especially in a, a, uh, let's see how to describe this. Okay, so most road locker rooms are pretty small. It's pretty tough to get in there, and especially after losses, like you're climbing over guys' stuff because I'm telling you, like when games are road games are over, it is a race to get all their stuff onto that plane or onto the bus, then onto the plane and get them out of there. It is a race, win, lose, whatever. And so you feel like kind of like, you know, you want to get what you need to get, but then at the same time, you know, you're also kind of like, all right, well, I got to get over here and get this. And I just remember there was a huge group of people by his locker and you have to battle with, am I going to wait at that locker for this 10 minutes I'm going to be in here and potentially get nothing? Or do I go and grab some other stuff and then hope to kind of jump back in there if he does talk? Because keep in mind, whoever's sending you there, whatever paper, website, whatever, they're paying a lot of money for you to go to these row games. Like you better get something. The locker room access is the reason. That's why we didn't have. That's why most of us covered the the row games from home last year. Because without the locker room access, there really isn't a major need for you to go there to describe the way the crowd is and things like that. Although I will say, with Greg Hardy, it was good to go to those games because during commercial breaks, that's when I could notice when he knocked clipboard out of a, out of a coach's hand. But anyway, uh, but. But I would just say, like, in that situation, I just remember it was, like, always, like, well, do you think he's going to talk after the game? Well, we better have somebody waiting there in case he does. And there was not ever, like, a lot of room. But uh, the big takeaway from this, too, is, is uh, I mean, are you guys surprised that he, that this was his last season in the NFL? 
No, not at all. I almost pulled the interview. That was his last one where he's talking about, do you think you're going to be back in Dallas? He's like, I'm just, that was pretty I'm memorable just, too. I'm just yeah. an entertainer, man. I just entertain. That's what I do. You know, whether it's here or not. He, no, his quote was, I hope so because I look really good in blue. That's what yeah. he said. And he Gosh. just, he had like, I just remember he was emptying out his guy. locker room. Oh yeah. He was emptying out his locker. And I just remember he had like the so shoes. many of these Under Armour cleats and he yeah. was just throwing them all in a garbage just, bag. Like He was giving them away to the media. And we're yeah, like, but, we don't want, them. we don't want Greg Hardy. It was shoes. like, <laughs> it was like, it was like that, that trunk in the Coolio video where you're just kind of like, how many other shoes are going to come he out of here? He must have had 50 <laughs> pairs of, of cleats. He put in a box. It was crazy. I was just kind of yeah. like, and, and keep in mind too, another thing that needs to be added to that is like, when they clean out those lockers like that, keep in mind, Ken and I have never covered them when they've won a Super Bowl. So it's always ended on a negative. So in that la- locker room clean out day, there's generally yeah. nobody of a major substance that's even in there at that time because they know what time reporters are going to be in there. You might see like a backup or a, a practice squad player, but you generally don't see like any of like the major contributors in that locker room at that time. So the fact that he was even going to talk, I was kind of surprised about. Um, but yeah, that was one of those things, man. Anytime Greg Hardy talked, you had to be there because you just, I mean, literally more so than anybody else that yeah. I've ever been around, you just didn't know what he was going to say. That was, that was, you know, you, you talk about, well, either I'm going to get Hardy or that's it. You know, back right. in the day when I was working for them, it was like Hardy was the story, you know? So whatever he said was, was going to be number one, essentially. Oh, and, and that, that, no and comment the team, and that season was, was awful. Was, yeah. That was, he was the only person that talked, I think that last day in the locker room. Yeah. I think I so mean, too. Yeah. I think we got like him for two minutes and some footage of him cleaning out his locker. And it was, that was as rough as it's ever been. And it, it's just funny that a lot of those, a lot of the, the uh, comments come from that, but you know, you guys expect to be, to be back this year. There wasn't a lot of memorable audio from last year. I mean, I guess Tabasco Mike was, was a memorable yeah. zoom moment. Sure. Um, For sure. Re- John, remember when Jason Garrett dropped an F bomb in a press conference accidentally and he turned like beat red. <laughs> yeah. That? Talking about Zeke. I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. That was probably he, before he the turned, whole world saw that. The, the, the color of his hair. He, he, he was matching his hair color, but it's funny because I mean, you know, referencing uh, all or nothing again, Jason Garrett, is not like a, a prude or anything like that. So it's surprising that it, it it only happened that one time, given how Jason Garrett talks normally, you know, but he was so embarrassed, man. I wish I, I remembered when that was, cause I would have tried to find that uh, somewhere, but that was, that was classic. I have one that's like less explosive, but it's about Jason Garrett and it's uh, 2013. It's June of 2013. So I know that I'd started at the fan May of 2013. So I was about three to four weeks into my career in full-time radio. Now I've been covering Cowboys practices and things part-time for a while. So we were in that studio that was kind of next door to you, Kent, at Valley Ranch. Uh, that little Yeah, little, the pod studio. Yeah. yeah, the pod studio. And that day was so weird to me because they had – basically, Jerry had said that – well, Jason had said first with his press conference – that they hadn't made a decision on who's calling plays. And then Jerry had said, like, there's value into keeping it secret, but Bill Callahan's very involved. And then Bill Callahan talks to the media and basically says that he's calling plays. So, like, Jerry basically castrated Jason that day. And I remember we were, like, processing that all throughout, like, as it was kind of going down throughout that day. And for me, you know, who just kind of covered practices and games on a part-time basis, just getting some audio here and there, you know, to sit there and like have to do a show while that was going on. Like, wait, 
It's on Twitter right now. Like Jason's here ta- telling some reporters that they're not going to reveal who's calling plays. No decision's been made. Meanwhile, on Twitter, everyone's going, well, Bill Callahan just told the media he's calling plays. And Jerry's over here telling the media that Bill Callahan's calling plays. Meanwhile, Jason's like, and it's like, yeah, Jason's not really, not really the head coach anymore, is he? Like, who's in charge here? And it was just such a, just typical, you know, what people think about the Cowboys from afar moment. Like, yep, Can you, Jerry hey. couldn't stay out of the way there. Do you remember that, John? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and and when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, well, can you imagine him like if, at, at that very moment? I go, KT, you know what's really crazy about this whole situation? Garrett's going to still be the head coach six years from now. Yeah, right? Holy cow. Would have thought that would have been over years ago. Oh. Um, it should have. It should have been over after 2013. After, yeah. After the... Uh, uh, do we know that yet? Let's leave that out for... I don't know. What? We'll leave it out. Let's see how this... Let's see how this current head coach plays out. Jason Garrett might not be the rock bottom. Oh yeah, that's true. It that's could be true. worse. Like I mean, well, this Jason isn't like Garrett they, should have been not, gone after 2013. And, okay, but I'm just saying, it's not like this organization casts wide nets in coaching searches. Like, how do we know that they would have like, you know, found the next guy that would have like fixed everything? True. I mean, yeah, there's a true. certain part of Jason Garrett that the players bought into. So it wasn't like it was this big disaster completely. It, Did they get to the NFC Championship game and win a Super Bowl? No, but we don't know that it couldn't have been worse. It's not like it's been so much better ever since he's been gone. If they miss the playoffs, is McCarthy gone? I think it. I think it. I, I don't think you can just say it like cut and dry like that. It, you have to tell me how the season goes. Like if there's a ton of guys that get injured and things like that, probably not. But if like Dak and that offense is like really healthy and 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 the defense looks like it's made strides, but there's just like some more of those fourth and thirteen decisions that lose games to Washington. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I wouldn't bet on it though. Like I saw that that prop bet or whatever that he was going to be the first head coach to be fired. That's there's no way I would ever bet yeah. that. I mean, I I think he gets three years just because one Jerry doesn't get rid of coaches fast like that, and two I think that there will be some improvements this year just out of the fact that it's his second year with this team, um, and even bad coaches sometimes in the past have had a good second year, and then not even bad coaches, but just coaches where it didn't work out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Uh, I would say he gets at least three, but there's no guarantees. I mean, if it gets if it gets just ultimately terrible and guys are healthy too on top of it and they're just blowing games because it's poor coaching, then yeah, certainly. But you know what's a key part in this too? I kind of thought of it when uh, you know Tim McMahon had that tweet right after this, the Mavs season ended, where he reached out to Mark Cuban about Rick Carlisle's job, and you know Rick Carlisle quickly said that you know. I'm, or I'm sorry, uh, Mark Cuban responded quickly that like, no, Rick, Rick Carlisle's not getting... There I don't has have to be somebody to replace him with, yeah. But not somebody. He said it had to be somebody that was a somebody, lot yeah, better somebody type better, thing yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think that, I don't know that there's somebody even in the NBA that you would say is a lot better than Rick Carlisle. Like, I think he's on one of those upper echelon things like... There's no like Phil Jackson really around anymore. We're like, oh, well, you just go get Phil and then he'll take it to the next level. Like, there's not really like... Maybe I'm not thinking of somebody in the NBA right now, but I don't think of somebody that I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, obviously he's way better than Rick Carlisle. I just I don't think that there's a guy like that. But for the Cowboy situation, it made me think of I don't see them getting rid of Mike McCarthy unless they have that next guy like, well, 
we got, we got this guy, we can make that move. Let's, we got to do this, you know, like whether it be somebody outside the organization, whether it be somebody inside the organization, like there has to be somebody else. I don't see them cutting him loose unless there's a reason to see what happens Not, in new Orleans. Yeah. After a year with no drew Brees and oh, bad Mike McCarthy. Let's, let's see what, see what we can do there. That's Jerry's hey, goal. Hey, hey, great, great, great ratings for that movie about bounty gate. With with Kevin James, oh my gosh, Sean, can you believe Sean that? That's I look like, so I look like Sean How does Evan is Sean Payton? It's like, hey, Sean, we're making a movie about when you uh, coach Liberty uh, High School. Oh, great! Who's playing me? Kevin James. Like, well, how unflattering is that to, to un- Sean uh, Payton? Hey, <laughs> apparently though, he must be on board because I saw a cl- like not a clip, oh, but he's a on screen board. grab. Hell yeah, he's on like, board. He's getting paid for a story. No, but I'm saying that I saw a screen grab that he's got like a little cameo. Yeah. He's like playing somebody in the movie. So I'm sure he's it's obviously like, on board. You imagine somebody, you know, some um, freaking Billy Bean had Brad Pitt play him in a movie, you know? <laughs> like, no, I, it's, I, it's I, like that's not the best one. I talk about this all the time. The best one by far is uh, that entire Tanya Harding story. They make you look like yeah. you're not like, you're, hey, she's it. And then you have Margot Robbie play you. And, it, and, and the story makes it look like, you know, guys. You know, she had a lot of bad things happen to her, okay? It wasn't as bad as you think it is. And then uh, another one that I always think of, too, is is that it doesn't really seem like Jordan Belfort was a great person. And he goes and, like, oh, gets a movie made about him that's a highly successful movie. And Leonardo DiCaprio plays who he is. Like, right. it's not like he's exactly, like, this model citizen. They're like, okay, we're going to have to get an A-list celebrity to play this guy because he's this guy's awesome. Like, Well, Kevin James has that Sandler connection that, like, Kevin James's reputation is very good because he's running buddies with Sandler and all those guys. And that's why he continues to get jobs all the time. Because I'm one of yeah. the guys who don't, doesn't think Kevin James is that great. Uh, but That great? You wa- watch your mouth. Watch your guy's mouth. Legend. Sucks. I don't even know if I've seen him in anything. Awful. Remember when uh, when they canceled uh, or they ended King of Queens and then they gave a new, him a new show with a different uh, hot wife and then – uh, the ratings were bad, and so they fired that hot wife and then brought back Leah Remini. <laughs> so they're basically just doing King of Queens again. <laughs> it's like, I maybe we should have never canceled King of Queens. <laughs> yeah, just do King of Queens. I, I 100% doing? don't know any of this existed. When I think of him, I think of that he was the guy that played uh, Paul Blart Mulcott. Well, yes. he, no, he, played, right. uh, he played the President of the United States in uh, Pixels, so that's all you need to know about the, uh, I don't the know peak of Kevin James comedy. Uh, no, I, I thought um, my pick would have been Jeremy Renner. To play Sean Payton, yeah, they kind of look alike. I see that. You know, Jeremy Renner that. is like fifty three. By the yeah, way, he's, also, they, he's, he's so also, old. I they, would have thought he was in his thirties. He's doesn't also the like actor four, three, have to want to do it? Uh, yeah, 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 that's, that's part of it. Who I, who I would? No, it, it was a deal with Netflix. I think. I think Kevin James and Happy Madison, like you said, uh, KT, they have an exclusive yeah. production deal with Netflix. Well, yeah, because this was Sandler's idea, right? Yeah. Was it Sandler involved? I'm sure like, Sandler's it? production company is is behind it or something like that. But I know it's a Netflix joint. It's going to be on Netflix, so makes sense. I'm going through his IMD page, IMDb page. That's right funny now, that the the, the the high school that he coached at Liberty was our my school's rival school in uh, in high school. We had beat Liberty. The biggest games of the year were against them, and now Jason Witten is their head coach. Ironically, so you're saying you guys didn't watch. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You think Chuck that? You think that that's movie would have been made in 2021? No, but <laughs> I don't, I th- I don't I know. I can see. I think that's a good movie, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Did you keep about 
<laughs> yeah, the zookeeper. There's no. a, there's a lot of there's go a to lot go of, to Rotten Tomatoes. I I would be shocked if he had anything over a twenty five percent approval rating on. on oh come rating. on, can't be shocked. It, don't, don't take that hard of the guy. He was on oh, the Cosby dude, Show. He's terrible. Let's say bottom, bottom five of all time. Sam was on the. Uh, was Who on else the is down there? Who, who else is down Je- there? With five? Jeff Dunham, um, <laughs> Dane Cook. Um, let's see. They have Stand-up actor ratings. They have Who? actor ratings on a on a. IMDb. Yeah, you, you search his name and, and click on it, and it'll show all their movies. Uh, oh, uh, we'll end on down this. There? Um, no, I want more names. I want you to round out your top five. Uh, no, we'll end on this though. On the topic of movies, John. Summer movie season, uh, Fast and Furious 9 coming out pretty soon. John, are you? do you live your life a quarter mile at a time? I guess that's the question I need to ask you. I do, but uh, I haven't watched any. I watched the first one. That's oh all I've seen goodness. of this. Yeah. Wow. I'm not down, I'm not down with the Tokyo you Drift. You don't know and, uh, uh, Dom and the gang? Well, no, I'll just say the first one. I, the, only, the, the first one I thought was actually pretty good, so I don't know why I didn't watch any other ones. Um, but... Realistically speaking, I'm not talking about like you know, five hundred thousand dollar cars or anything like that. But I will I will say that that um, that Dodge Charger he has in that first one is very high on my list of yes. cars. That I, if one, I could yeah. if I could get any car, that would be very very high on my list. Same. That car is awesome. Here's yeah. what you do: you start start with Fast and Furious. I think that's number four in the series, mm-hmm. and go from there. And watch like Fast Five, Six. The ones once the Rock gets involved, that's when it really, um, the NOS gets bad. Really gets hit. Tokyo Drift's the best one. No, Tokyo. No, Tokyo Drift Five is the best one. (laughs) The third one. The one. The one where they drag a bank bank vault uh, down the street. That's my favorite one. The, just the, the the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, just the name of it was always funny to me. Kind of like another movie that will always be up there with me is when I'm searching movies. I joke around with this, about this with my friends all the time. Sister <laughs> Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. I don't oh know why, but that God. always, just that name cracks yeah, me up. Like, funny. there's no way I could ever watch it, that, but just that, the that's name. That's an underrated title. That, that, yeah, that's, <laughs> we do not appreciate Back in the Habit as much as we nearly, nearly should. I think they're doing Sister Act 3 uh, soon, so that, they we'll are, look forward yes. to that for Disney, Disney fans. Of course they <laughs> are. Of course they are. Uh, well, Kevin, right, well, we're going to, we're going to do another one, right? Yeah, we'll do, we'll be back. We'll be back, um, one Probably next week, and then we'll take off for the uh, the fourth, and then we'll be back before camp. We'll figure it all out. Um, please subscribe to the Athletic, as you know. Uh, a lot of stuff going on at the Athletic. One little Mike. tease, tease, oh, yeah, uh, KT. John and I um, for for Apple bonus. If you're an Apple subscriber, they just rolled out these bonus episodes. So what you do is uh, you can subscribe. For a dollar a month, or you can sign up for a free trial, and it unlocks our bonus episodes and also the bonus episodes across the Athletic Podcast Network. So, uh, you know, if you're a subscriber to the Athletic Football Show or Prospects to Pros or any of our other NFL shows or any of other of our other, uh, you know, if you subscribe to our Maverick Show or NBA, that's all unlocked too. So, John and I are going to answer a few questions from uh, from listeners and readers for that this week. So, if you want to yeah. check that out, it'll be uh, up this week. And um, so that's a dollar a month and it'll get you access to all our bonus. And we'll be doing those throughout the season as well. So check that out. Uh, Apple subscribers. Exactly what uh, Kent said. And 
For Father John Mashoda, for our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm KT, and we will be back soon for another episode of About Them Cowboys. Make sure you check out John's pieces on uh, OTA and minicamp and all that stuff as well. Uh, All right, there it is. It's been another edition of About Them Cowboys. That's how we're going to end it this week. How about y'all fix this shit, bitch? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.